turn up the volume and free your mind because this is the Humans 2.0 podcast hosted by Mark Metry. What you feed your mind every day will shape your future. Listening to this podcast will strengthen your mind, thoughts, and beliefs. Leave behind the everyday mundane trivialities of your average human version 1.0 and meta-learn your way into becoming a human version 2.0 with a new upgraded guest in each episode. Enjoy. So, Kurt, how do you spend your time here on planet Earth? Well, I spend it, you know, my passion and my purpose is helping individuals fight for lives of freedom and fulfillment. And whether those individuals are my kids, my wife, myself, or the clients that I have and the people that I reach, you know, we were talking offline about my videos, um, reaching people through my videos, my public speaking, etc. So those are uh, those are two big, powerful F words, man, freedom <laughs> and fulfillment. You know, some people you know, they've, they've got the job or let's say they're an entrepreneur, they've got their startup, but you know, they don't have the freedom, you know, they're, they're, they're busy working, you know, 80 hour weeks, like some ridiculous things. They don't have time to spend with their family. And really the thing that they, not every time, cause I'm sure a lot of people know this, but the thing that they wanted to create, to create freedom for themselves is doing the exact opposite and i think that's a that's a really interesting subject kurt i would love it if you would tell my audience and myself you know what what got you down this path of doing this on linkedin in the first place you know what what were the catalyzing events what what led you down this path sure so it actually starts with what you just talked about about those entrepreneurs who build their business ostensibly to create a life of freedom and they do the exact opposite. And I was there, I started 13 years ago, I started my own public relations and ad firm. And it grew year after year from the very start. And about five years into it, the revenue was great, but I was absolutely miserable because of the exact reasons that you just mentioned. And I tell people that I had created a prison instead of a business where I would disappear into my home office, I'd come down for dinner, I'd go right back up, I'd disappear till four in the morning, you know, I'd, I'd get back up, I'd do it all again. And so I was miserable. I wanted to give it up. And so I had to take a few steps back and or many steps back and reevaluate a number of things. I had to fire a number of clients. I um, started using the Gallup Strengths Finder program to determine what were my inherent talent themes so I could work within my strength zone. And then I did a number of other things. Uh, in a recent video, I talked about focusing on outcomes instead of inputs because a lot of the inputs we focus on every day are these kind of false truths handed down, right? When I came out from a nine to five job, I would, you know, I had four clients when I started my company and I'd get everything done by like 11 or 12, like noon. And then I'd, I'd be it because I didn't spend so much BS time in the office having meetings to plan for the meetings, plan for the phone calls, plan for the meetings, right? But what happened? I was led to believe nine to five, nine to five, 8.30 to six. And so when I was finished at noon, I'd feel guilty. So I started filling up my day with BS. So I had to learn to take a step back from that, create that life of freedom. And even after I did that, I was able to scale my business. I realized that I still wasn't fulfilled with what I was doing. So I had started unofficially coaching some people, realized coaching was really 
where I got that sense of fulfillment, like I was doing what I was meant to do. And I decided to go all in. And I tried a number of marketing things. LinkedIn blew up and here we are. That's pretty cool, man. And, you know, I think, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I think, you know, what you kind of touched on, fulfillment, you know, I think to, to each per, each person defines it in their own way. For me, it's like when my mind, like when my, my internal compass knows it's on the right path and when it's not on that right path, I just have like this unending like anxiety, like gnawing away at me. Yep. And, you know, it, it, I love that. And, and, you know, like I, to me, that's like super interesting and like how, how you came to that conclusion with, with the coaching, how did you really know that it was, it was a thing? Did you just like have that, have that feeling or was there like a thought process that you had on? Yeah. You know, it was over time. Um, I had a, ever since I was a little kid, I've loved superhero movies and I've always had this feeling like it was my mission to save the world. You know, I was, I had siblings, but they were like a minimum of nine years to 20 years older than I was. So I was kind of an only child. And so I would invent, I would have to play on myself. I had, you know, with my, I'd have, uh, watch superhero movies, you know, creativity. And I always had that sense. And when I was doing what I was doing with the PR agency, I always had the sense that I'm just a flack writing press releases. I'm not doing anything yeah. important. And my dad, you know, was an engineer and he built stuff. He designed, he was on the space program. He designed air, you know, airliners. And then when he passed away, it was like, man, he really changed the world. What am I doing? And when I started coaching people, I had that sense that this is what I was supposed to be doing. And I have certain things that get me really passionate and fired up, as you could tell by some of my videos. And none of those things are what I was working on in the PR industry. Mm. So I looked at it and I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go for it. Was there fear? Yeah. Four kids and a mortgage. Absolutely. But I knew to get there, I was going to have to cause major discomfort in my life to grow. Uh, it's just like working out, right? You got to cause that discomfort. You got to cause those micro tears in your muscles. Otherwise... You, you wither up and die. So, yeah, that's a, so that's a really good point. So the, the majority of people that listen to this podcast are young people and it, you know, a, a lot of them are in college, haven't gone to college and they often struggle with that very point. They're like half pregnant, you know, they're, they're moving on this path, but it could be the fear of failure. It could be, you know, they're afraid to take that leap, but what what would your best advice be to to you know somebody that's that's young but is afraid to make those decisions to get them where it is they need to do um and like this is super super important like i i just talked to this uh this lady just came on the podcast her name is uh elena botatello and her her book she wrote this book called uh the ceo next door it's a new york times and wall street uh best-selling book and they basically broke down data from 17,000 CEOs, like huge, huge corp, like billion dollar corporations. And they found one of the number one things that allows them to succeed is decisiveness, is the ability to make decisions. So it's extremely important. So what, how would you recommend for somebody to, you know, go from this, you know, phase in their life where, uh, uh, to, all right, I'm going to do this right now. And you know, whatever happens ends up happening. 
The number one thing I would tell them is love your parents, hug your parents, thank them for everything they've done for you, listen to their advice, but then ultimately start thinking for yourself for perhaps the first time in your life. Everything is so structured these days from the time kids are four to 18. We have kindergartens shutting down their theater programs because it's not college and career ready enough. And so <laughs> everything is so uber structured with that goal of getting into college. And then when they get to 16, 17, 18, Dr. Peter Gray, he's got a book called Free to Learn. These kids they have a, 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 a sense of loss of control over their lives because everything has been structured, structured. Every single hour of the day, we're driving into yeah. this practice to that practice, right? And then they can't choose a major, they change their major or they choose a major based on what dad wanted them to go into. And they get to be 40 or 50. And this is why I warn them when they're 18, they get to be 40 or 50 and they come to me and say, I need a coach because the last 20 years of my life have been spent in an industry or a career doing something that isn't in my strength zone, I'm not passionate about, I'm not even great or good at, but it was determined by a path that my parents put me on at age four or five. I used to say at age 17 or 18, but now I see it at age four and five with preschools calling themselves college and career ready. Mm -hmm. And so I, I recently saw a, uh, I think it was a business insider video that the average billionaire's GPA was 2.8 or 2.9, you know, and so that myth of that four-year college degree, when we know that these kids are coming out with a hundred or $200,000 debt and the degree isn't worth the paper it's written on, that it's not the people who conform, the valedictorians who just go along and march like they're told to, you know, in the army of bots that we're creating. It's the people, it's the Musks, it's the Peter Thiels, it's the Jobs, it's the Zuckerbergs who either dropped out of college or never even went to college who decided to think for themselves, my goodness, Elon Musk, yeah, he went to college, but then he founded PayPal and then he decided, you know what, I'm going to buy some old Russian ICBMs and I'm going to shoot one to Mars. He taught himself how to do that. It wasn't learned in school. And so I think we have to gear toward what is your passion? What are you passionate about? And so the problem is when these kids get to 23, 24, they've never been allowed to make a choice, to think, to mm. explore their passions. Um, and so when they get to that age, my advice is listen, listen, listen to your parents, but you know, think for yourselves, think for yourselves. And I know that's easier said than done, but there, there's some apprenticeship programs that I've spoken to. They said the biggest impediment isn't getting applicants. It's parents. So these kids are 18 and they want, there's one called Praxis. My friend started it. Mm. They have 64 startups competing for these kids who come out of a boot camp for marketing service oriented type things. But these 18 year olds, they want to apply. It's the parents who stop them. You know, the 18 year old can't stand up to mom and dad who have had their life, their dream set on a four year college degree. And so in doing that, they're condemning their kids sometimes to a life of debt or the rest of us to a life of debt. I haven't even gotten into the financial bubble yet, but um, so yeah, it's, it's something I feel passionate about because um, I see it on the tail end when these people are 40 and 50 and they're, you know, they were put on this path that just, it, it is the opposite of fulfillment and we have to back it up and create, you know, hey, you're 50, let's create the next 30 years of fulfillment, forget the last 20, um, so. Yeah, I, I loved everything that you just said. And I think, you know, one of the main ways is, you know, you kind of touched upon this, but the, you know, the, the, the schooling system is fundamentally made to create factory workers, people that are able to fit in the line. So, you know, when you go in there at a young age and this is all, you know, oh, you get A's, get A's. And a lot of parents, unfortunately, 
tell their kids that, you know, A's and, and B's are, are the only option. And they may, you know, it, it might be a miscommunication error. It might be the truth, but a lot of them then start associating those grades with love. So they start to aim and, you know, get those A's and keep getting those A's and really mold into the system. And the reality is, is the real world failure is like a progressional checkpoint that you need. Like, you know, Warner Van Brown, the guy who got us to the moon, failed math class twice. And the world needs people that have failed because that's, in my opinion, that's one of the best ways to learn. You know, success isn't that great of a teacher, um, like 100%. So how can you, you know, you, you said, you know, ask more questions and think for yourself. Um, to me, what screams out, and this definitely ties back back to what you said, is you know self awareness. You know, do you know who you are? Do you know what your strengths are? Do you know what your purpose is? Do you know what you want to do in this life? And you know, you talked about it with identifying people's strengths. How do you go about doing that? Yeah, well, I'm a Gallup strengths uh, Gallup certified strengths coach, and so all mm -hmm. my programs start with the strength. The well, everyone knows it by strict strengths finder assessment, but they've changed it to Clifton Strengths. It was invented by a guy named Donald Clifton, and so that what that shows you is your talent themes. Every human has 34 talent themes, right? And those talent themes are naturally occurring patterns of thought, feeling, and behavior. And when you productively apply them, when you use them intentionally every day, when you exercise them and work them out like you would a muscle, you turn them into strengths, right? And so the strengths can help you learn, you know, in what environment, in what behaviors can I work within my strength zone in which everything feels like it's in the flow, right? And so that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, when you look at your top five strengths or your, your talent themes and you turn them into strengths, anyone can be successful in any job with different strengths. It's just a matter of how you apply them and how you get to where you're going. Um, you know, when you talk about teams, you know, and, and and I say that because when we talk about entrepreneurs, right, there's something called opportunity costs. And so many entrepreneurs, when they start out, are afraid of spending 200 here or 500 here to hire someone to help them do things that they're horrible at, you know? So I'm not, I don't have the analytical strength. I don't have the strategic strength. You know what? I can't do spreadsheets. I can't do, I hate doing PowerPoints, right? So why would I spend time doing that? I can outsource that. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't mean just because I don't have those strengths doesn't mean I can't be good coach. I can't be in this and this, you know, but all of us, you know, Tim Ferriss in four hour work week talks about this. Outsourcing isn't just for entrepreneurs. If you're in an office job, calculate the time that's getting eaten up doing nothing and then go hire someone on the side to do your transcripts or your spreadsheets. It'll save you time during the day. You're going to get a promotion in the end. It'll pay for itself. Yeah, that's um that's a huge thing. And um I'm sorry, my uh I think laterally, so I might bounce around a lot. But um No, no, you no. Know, you know uh you know Fraser Cameron? Yeah, he's my coach. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, so he uh he came on this podcast and you know him and I were talking about the whole parents kids thing. And you know something that we ended up bringing up is a lot of these kids, they have their self-esteem, they have their social status 
based on what the kid represents. So, you know, when they're, when all the parents are talking to each other, they can say, oh yeah, you know, my son went to Stanford. My son went to, you know, this community college. And, you know, I think, I think that's a big part, but you know, I'm not a parent, so I can't, uh, I can't necessarily understand on that perspective, but you know, what do you, what, what do you think about, um, you know, you know, parents and and their kids, because I, I think parents is a huge, 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 massive, massive factor. So we have four kids, we homeschool our kids, and we have grown uh, with more of a sense of freedom over the years with our homeschooling, right? We went from having a curriculum, we don't even have a curriculum anymore. Um, it's largely self directed, because that is life. And so we'll, we'll have people saying, well, do they take standardized tests? No. Well, how do you know where they're at? How does who know where they're at? Well, how do you know they're where they want to be? Go talk to them. You know, I know kids who go through a four-year college prep course or, or high school, four-year college, and, and even through college, they can't put two words together. They're socially inept. They can't talk to one another. They can't write. These are people who have four-year college degrees. That's supposedly right, supposed to guarantee that you're smart. And so, you know, when we surrender, when we outsource the raising of our kids to the schools, the government, to coaches, to other people, to social media. You know, it's it's not social media that's the problem with these kids. Mm. It's the fact that we're raising kids who are ill-prepared to have any adversity in their life. Mm. And everything is so structured that we don't let them go out and climb trees anymore. We don't let them just go out and play in the neighborhood because, oh my gosh, there's a killer around every tree, you know, even though everything's getting safer, but because of social media, parents flip out. And so we make everything so safe that I see it now. Oh, someone said something mean to me on LinkedIn. Okay. So cool. I'm going off I'm going off LinkedIn for 2 weeks. Really? I mean, that's the type of society we're building, you know? Yeah. Which 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 it's going to be easier and easier to separate out the people who are going to crush it and the people who are going to wither and die. The people who can take a punch and keep on going are the ones who are going to keep Going, I, I I posted a video about adversity about my grandfather, you know, fighting in World War One, coming here from Italy, right, surviving, didn't speak a word of English, taught himself English, survived, put my dad through the University of Notre Dame, and I talked about adversity and risk, and someone wrote, I prefer not to use the word adversity because it's negative and sad. You know, that's the same person that if I posted a picture of American soldiers dying at Normandy, she would mm. say, Oh my gosh, you can't post that. You know what? That's why, I mean, we have a, we have a world, you talk about the schooling system that's supposed to mm -hmm. guarantee success. We have a world, the Washington post just posted, uh, the, the results of a survey that at, at two thirds of millennials don't know base. I mean, these millennials are what 36 and 37 years old. Mm -hmm. And I'm not ripping on millennials. I'm ripping on their parents and the schooling system. Don't know yep. basic facts about the Holocaust. And when you look at that, it gets really scary, not because, all right, kids don't memorize facts. It's scary because, you know, when we don't know our history, we're condemned to repeat it. And when genocidal maniacs like that, I was thinking about it when I was watching Avengers Infinity War, they were talking about Thanos and genocide. And I'm like, half the people in here probably don't even know what that means because we can't talk about sad things anymore. And by the way, we're not going to talk about the Holocaust because that's not going to get you a job building X, Y, Z, you know, so we're not going to put it on the standardized test. These are mm. the types of things that keep me up at night that mm. it's, it's not just political stuff. This is like world ending stuff. You know, the Tony Starks 
of the world aren't going to come out of a school factory. They're going to be the Elon Musk, the Zuckerbergs, the people who rejected it, stood out, thought for themselves and built something because they were fundamental. These aren't bots. Yeah, they're smart. Yeah, they know their math. They're creative people, you know, who, who think about the future. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. Two things. You know, if anybody's ever read, you know, The Subtle Art of Not Giving Up by yeah. Mark Manson, he talks about, you know, there's this psychological epidemic that's going on right now. And it's where everyone thinks they're supposed to be happy all the time. And that need, that issue is creating another issue in and of itself, where, you know, people don't want to encounter failure. And when they do, when they're not happy, which I think is is normal at, at times, they think that's a problem. So they go down Xanax or they go buy a new pair of shoes or they go do this or that. And one thing, one topic that I've been fascinated by, and I've been thinking a lot about it, and it's the whole, everything that you just talked about, this, this, uh, this kind of struggle between what humanity was at in not even that long ago, just in World War II, where, you know, millions of people were being butchered by, you know, psychopaths versus, you know, now in 2018, which isn't that much time, like at, at all, if you, if you really look at it, where, you know, we're going to, like you said, kids aren't allowed to go outside because, you know, the parents saw like some news report like three weeks ago in a completely different place. And the world is getting exponentially safer, but you know, based on that media perception, they're they're afraid. So I think we're going like between this weird balance where people were literally like dying on the streets, and of course that's still there today, one hundred percent. But then now there's like this need to be comfortable, which right. is kind of the opposite of what you should do if you want to do anything. Meanwhile, in life, you want to be an entrepreneur. If you want to do anything like that. What, what are your thoughts on that? No, well, I agree. And, you know, there's a difference between happiness and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And so what makes, what, what, what makes me feel good is that, yeah, you know, people talk about millennials and I don't rip on millennials. I don't rip on, I don't like to classify people. I talk about human empowerment. I don't talk about male empowerment, female empowerment, millennial empowerment. I don't, you know, I don't talk about that. But when I'm, what excites me is that the millennial generation likes to seek fulfillment. And if that means getting up and leaving a job, they're going to go find it. What worries me is exactly what you talked about is that some people are seeking what I almost call what, what pleasure or happiness, which is different for fulfillment. If you're fulfilled, you can be happy and you can be sad, but you bounce back. Right. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned the medication, the over medication. It's that people are like, I feel bad today. So I need drugs. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying, listen, there are people who are in deep depression who need it. There are people who have bipolar disorder. They need it, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, or when I see people who, oh, well, so-and-so is stressed because they have midterms. We got to go and medicate them. Or when I see, uh, I mentioned Peter Gray's book. He talks about this growth in, you know, the diagnosis of ADHD. Again, there are kids who have deep ADHD get diagnosed, but the majority of the kids who get diagnosed, according to Dr. Gray, again, I'm not an expert, mm -hmm. He said our teachers basically who are like, that kid needs to be medicated because he can't sit still in school. Mm -hmm. And think about the jobs of today, the jobs of tomorrow, the entrepreneurial jobs. Are they going to require you just to sit there and shut your mouth? No, that's not the real world. So we're going to medicate people. And, and so it, it all ties in. But, but to your point, listen, 
the past generations went through hell, but if they were fulfilled as a mechanic, then they were fulfilled. That doesn't necessarily mean they were happy every day, right? When I go to the gym, yeah, I feel fulfilled. I'm not very happy because I feel like crap, but I'm fulfilled. And so people have to learn that fundamental difference between happiness and fulfillment. If you're not happy, try some new things, right? But fulfillment, the goal shouldn't be happiness. It should be fulfillment. And those are two separate things that get conflated uh, too many times in our language. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's, it's almost essential to not be happy, to not have pleasure in order to get to the real fulfillment right? Like a lot of, a, a lot of people that I've talked to that are now really successful, you know, they, they always have that, that point in their life where they, they flip the script and it's because they get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And yep. that's when, you know, you know, their life brights up and that's when they really start going after the important stuff. And they build their own prison, right? Because, you know, buying a new car that you don't need or is too expensive gives you pleasure and happiness for a week until mm. you realize six months later that you're in a job that has the golden handcuffs on you because you can't leave because now you got to pay for that house that's too big that you don't need. You're going to pay for that Beamer when you could have gotten the Hyundai. And now you're going to be unfulfilled and in the long term unhappy because you wanted that temporary pleasure. You wanted that temporary happiness. And that happens all the time. I tell people, you know, I got out of the industry and I, people tell me, oh, I wish I could do it, but I just can't. Well, why not? Well, I have two kids. Well, I got four kids and a mortgage, but they've trapped themselves, not only financially, but with this notion, these external pressures that I got to live in this neighborhood. My kids got to mm. go to this school. Then they got to go to this college and I got to save up this money to send them to college, which is now, you know, 200,000 is the average, I think for a private school. Mm -hmm. And so it all goes back to everything we've talked about since the beginning of this podcast, which is, um, Everyone's just got to start thinking for themselves instead of this, oh my gosh, so-and-so said this on Facebook, so now I'm angry today and I got to believe that. Or so-and-so on either side said this on cable news. And so that is the truth, you know, and we're all moving in this direction, headed toward the cliff, which worries me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and like the thing is, like what I've found is a lot of these things that people want, like you said, that create these prisons, these 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 temporary enjoyments that are now prisons for the rest of their lives a lot of that stuff like you're told like you said there's a narrative that you're supposed to get that house and you're supposed to get that car like i was thinking about this the other day like i don't i don't want those things <laughs> like there is no part in me that wants that whatsoever and i think a lot of people are starting to wake up to this and um you know i'll give you an example like I was talking to one of my friends the other day, super, super intelligent guy. He's, um, he's going through school right now and he's basically telling me, he's like, dude, I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. So like what I do when I'm stressed is I drink a lot of coffee. That's his, that's his addiction. That's his coping mechanism. And I asked him, you know, why, why are you stressed in the first place? We ended up figuring out that what I told you at the beginning, the whole grades equal his parents love. It turns out that's what he's actually trying to chase after. Not the, not the number, not the grade. 
And once you like have some of those experiences, once you have somebody that kind of leads you into those bigger questions, then you can kind of start to, you know, unveil the, the, the BS that's been implanted in your mind through, you know, sitting in a six by five square through your entire life. I forgot who said this, but why else would you put kids in, uh, in, a, in a room to sit down on desk all day unless you wanted them to be stupid and fat? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Because it's based on a militaristic system. I mean, it started in Prussia and then it was the Industrial Revolution, the British Empire, right? It was based to, to put out these armies of people who could do specific tasks. And um, one of my favorite TED Talks is by a guy named Sugata Mitra, who did a study. He set out to find out how we could get teachers in poor areas like the slums of New Delhi. Long story short, what he figured out was he, if he put a computer that only spoke English, right, in the slums of New Delhi where they don't, in an alley way, it was called the hole in the wall, put a computer there, and he loaded it up with, I think it was bioengineering stuff, and said, I'm going to be back in six weeks or six months. Learn it. These kids not only learned English, they learned basic bioengineering facts. And he learned that people, animals, right? They are, they will teach themselves. And so now he has this model called the school in the cloud. And they're pods mm -hmm. of kids of different ages, maybe six or seven. And they teach themselves. And you know what they do is they have a teacher come in via Skype once a week mm -hmm. and say, what are you working on? Tell me what you're doing. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. And so when people talk about, you know, I, I just, um, I posted on Facebook earlier today and it was about, there was a, a video going around about a Google bot having a mm. full customer service conversation. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, people smile at that and they think it's the future and they don't realize that their job and millions of jobs like it are going to get wiped out. And so I started posting about this and someone, a friend of mine who's a teacher said, you know, uh, I don't know where you're talking about the standardization and conformity because I work in the schools and we're doing this and we're down from 15 tests to five. And, and, this and, the, and he said, we're being innovative. I said, innovative to what end? Innovative so the kids get better grades so they get a college mm -hmm. for a job that's not going to exist in a year, you know? Um, and it, it's, it's real scary stuff. So when you find, when you look at, um, you know, what we do with our kids, I mean, my daughter has her own business. I had her on my podcast a couple of weeks ago and she shared some lessons she learned. I've had entrepreneurs email me and said, oh my gosh, I haven't learned those lessons. She's 12, right? And then for people to come to me and say, is the government testing your child? No, no. Why? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And meanwhile, we have people going to schools that mm. are getting tested who can't read, who can't do math, basic math, you know, and, and so something isn't working, but we have this group think again, you, people can't think for themselves. Mm. And so society keeps marching down the path. Even when some people go, yes, yeah, someone's got to do something about it, but I'm just going to hop on the train and go with, go with the flow. And we need more people who are going to step out, think for themselves and say, listen, maybe we don't just need to tinker around the edges. Okay. Vouchers charter schools, private schools, all that. There was a time when I was like, yes, that's the key. The problem is it's all tinkering around the same system. I think we need to tear it completely down and build it up from the bottom. And I'm not just talking about the educational system. I'm, I'm certainly talking about where the educational system and our economy converge yeah. because, you know, largely it's the business community pushing for this army of bots, you know, yeah. for the jobs they need now, which by the way is selfish because they know they're not going to need those in five years. 
You know, they're, they're not yeah. going to need those people to build their airplanes. They're going to have bots to do it. And I'm not making a value judgment. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. Yeah, that's, uh, that's super interesting for sure. And, you know, I 100% hands down, you're absolutely on the right path with your daughter. Like some of the smartest kids, you know, I went to a public high school, I went to public schooling and some of the smartest kids were kids that were homeschooled and came in. Like you could, you could ultimately identify, and I'm not saying that's the case all the time, but, and you know, like 100% about the, the self-learning and finding your own method. That's so, so accurate. Like I can tell you, I, I honestly thought that I was like mentally challenged for most of my life because I just couldn't learn what I was being taught in the classrooms. I like failed almost every quiz and test. And part of, part of me was like genuinely trying, which is a, a little bit funny, but you know, mid mid high school i came to the realization that just learning on my own in in the method that i find is the best way for me and if you just triple down on that and it doesn't matter what other people think you can really get some some pretty far results and you know everything that you're saying about jobs and you know these jobs being replaced yeah, for sure. And I think it's I think it's been happening all throughout history, for sure. I think sure. we might see uh you know, definitely without a doubt an exponential increase of that. And you know, people they're not learning the the meta skills that are true to themselves, that are true to their awareness of their lives. And they're so busy, you know, learning in the second grade like geometry and you know like oh geography you got to know where this country is but it's completely completely oblivious to the fact that almost all of those kids has a has access to the entire world's intelligence like literally in their pocket that yep. they don't even need to memorize things anymore that's exactly right i mean you look at it's funny I, and i always you know i'm a superhero nerd as i mentioned you look at tony stark i mean mm -hmm. he, he actually he tells jarvis to plot everything out right he tells jar well when he, when jarvis was there now it's friday right but but he but he he would do that you know you look at one of my favorite lines is and i love captain america but he said you know what happens if there's a grenade or whatever? And he's, I'll figure out how to disarm it. You know, Captain America just jumps on it. He's like a bot, right? Tony, yeah. he thinks creatively. You know, it's not the fact that he knows math or science. Is that he's super creative. We have four kids and they each have their own little superpowers. And my son, I, I tell you, if you gave him enough money and time, he'd build the Iron Man suit. And that's his goal. And he loves it. But not my daughter. My daughter loves art. She loves writing. She loves creativity. She loves entrepreneurship. And, but if they were in a school, they'd be treated equally and they'd be told, here's our 12 subjects or 15 or whatever the heck it is now. We're going to test you every two weeks. You have to excel in all of them, right? The majority, according to Gallup of parents think that kids should spend most time on the things they do worst in. So that I tell people, that's like telling Usain Bolt, you're great in the hundred meters, but your mile time sucks. So let's not work on the hundred meters anymore. So that's how we get a nation of what I say, bots of mediocrity rather than finding people who are great at what they do we just want people who are level across the board and that's just that that ain't going to cut it anymore you know you mentioned yeah this thing th this has happened over and over technology has replaced and fundamentally altered society over the years the industrial revolution right but the rate at which it's changing now because now we don't just have humans inventing technology we have bots inventing new bots quicker and quicker and quicker 
And so um, what we also didn't have years ago that, that, it, that, that I like to think about is some of our societal and governmental bodies, the military industrial complex, right? Mm. Our educational mm. system, governments are so big now mm. that what they're going to do is they're going to find a constituency who is going to be replaced mm. by the bots. And so what they're going to do is in an effort to get the votes of those constituencies, they're going to attempt to slow down progress. And mm. what you're going to have is that leads to people thinking, well, the government will save me. And that what will happen is they're going to put their faith in that and they're just going to be wiped out. Um, and, and, and it's going to happen without, without any adapting, you know, in the past we've been allowed to adapt and now, because of this risk averse culture, I'm afraid we won't be allowed to adapt and too many people are going to figuratively or literally die because of it. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a big fat, heavy elephant. And to me, like I've, I've heard so many conversations about, you know, what the solution is for the systems that run society, whether, you know, government, federal, whatever. I think a big, big part of it, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, is I don't think the system's going to change. I don't think it's ever going to change, ever. I don't think that we can vote ourselves out of it. I don't think that – I don't even think that we can really have like one of those classical revolutions where we, we overthrow the government or anything like that. I think ultimately what it will come down to is people creating better systems like Udemy – Linda, Code Academy, those things, and then things like Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, different different systems, different infrastructure, and ultimately render that big fat elephant just obsolete and just say, hey, do what you want to do. We don't want to be a part of it. We're going to go our own path and we're going to make this system that's based on you know voluntary means and we're going to opt out. I think that's ultimately what what will end up happening or what i, think I hope it, at least <laughs> yeah no i i think that's what's going to happen i mean you know peter thiel people love peter thiel people hate peter thiel he's a controversial dude right but he co-founded paypal he was an investor lead investor in facebook so he's he's helped change society you know he was investing in a thing i think it's still working where he was going to build cities out in the water the oceans that were free of government control and you know it's kind of along the lines of what you're talking about now of course you know, the government is already going after Bitcoin. They're going to try their best to break into these things, right? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, homeschoolers, right? We mm -hmm. lived in Illinois and the government wanted to go after us. The teachers wanted to go after yeah. us. The government hates competition. Yeah. And so it, it's going to be very interesting because I think that people and these large bodies are not going to change willingly. Mm. And so they're going to have to be allowed to crumble. Mm. And... So I'm hoping that those other entities are there. I, I, I'm watching a lot of videos now. Um, he works at NASA, I believe. He's also at Carnegie Mellon. His name's Vivek Wadwa, and he's a futurist. I just started his book. I, I don't know enough about it, but I'm very excited to read it, The Driver in the Driverless Car, where he talks about these things. And he's warning about millions of jobs. I mean, think about every customer service job out there. Every, not just, a they're going to be wiped out you know, fast food jobs, they're going to be wiped out. And he says, listen, we either adapt and in a few years we have Star Trek or we don't. And in a few years we have Mad Max. 
And that to me is, is the biggest thing. I don't care. People want to talk about the Russia investigation. People want to talk about what Obama did. People want to talk about this. None of it matters. This mm -hmm. other stuff matters. I mean, here in the US, we have an entitlement crisis. They're talking about $70 trillion. Wait until there's millions and millions of people put out of work and we have to mm -hmm. take care of all of them. And I'm not saying mm -hmm. we shouldn't take care of them, but the fact of the matter is when you go from 5% unemployment to 25% unemployment, if you don't adapt, that's unsustainable. And so it's gonna take people creating entirely new, I don't know, societies, entirely new structures to, to handle it. Beautifully well said. Kurt, final question. Yes, sir. So I'm not, I'm not asking you to like go back in time or like what would you change or any of that stuff, but if you were a, a young adult today in, in your 20s, what would you be doing right now? What would you be focusing on? Um, if I was in my 20s right now, I would be trying to find out what my superpowers are. Hmm. And I waited way too long to find that out. And, and when I say way too long, I, I talk to people in their 60s who haven't figured it out, right? And when I talk about your superpowers, again, it's those strengths, it's those talent themes, those naturally occurring patterns of thought, feeling, and behavior. And a lot of people say, I'm going to play to my strengths. And they, they talk about skills. I, for a long time, I went into PR and advertising because I loved writing, right? Growing up, I always loved writing. And so I went into PR, went to advertising. I actually was in politics because I thought politics was a way to change the world and save the world. Mm. And I learned it wasn't, you know, to our, to our point. And so, but it's funny now, now that I'm actually working with my strength zone, I love writing again for the first time in 30, uh, sorry, 30, first time in 13 years. Nice. Um, and so, because I've discovered working within my strengths, I've discovered, listen, these are the things that make me passionate. So I'm going to build my lifestyle around that. Um, I don't regret anything that's happened in my life because all it's all part of what makes us us. Mm -hmm. And if you believe that, you know, today starts one second from now, you learn, use all that as learning experiences to create fulfillment moving forward, whatever that is, whether it's, you talk about Frazier, whether it's getting up and going in and quitting your job or like me saying, I'm screw this, I'm done working at it, having my own agency and being done with it. Um, and so that I, I, I wish I knew a little more of that because I, I wasn't fulfilled for a long time. And, and because of it, I was always thinking, what's next, what's next, what's next, or something else out there. And I wasn't as present as I wanted to be in my 20s as I am now, which is, you know, I, felt, I feel more present. I mean, I have my struggles, right? But um, I feel more present now than I ever have in my entire life. So I love, love to hear that, man. Um, if it's okay, I want to ask you one more question. Absolutely. This was going to be my final question, but I totally forgot. <laughs> Who's, who's your favorite superhero and why? So uh, it's definitely Iron Man. Yeah. Batman was a second, was a close second. Mm. Um, I think it's because I was so emotionally disturbed by Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> but what I love about Iron Man is he's got no real physical gifts, yeah. but he uses his brain, his money, you know, at heart, I'm a free market guy. The fact that he got this money and is putting it, using it, putting it to good. He was a guy who went through a journey of, he was unfulfilled, whether he realized it or not, selling weapons, killing people. And he had to go through this process where he realized, no, I'm going to use my powers for good. My powers are in my brain. Um, he's always got to think creatively. 
to find his way out of a situation. Mm-hmm. Thor just hits you with the hammer. Captain America hits you with his shield. Hulk smashes. Tony thinks, all right, there's 20 different ways to get out of this. How are we going to do it? Which is, I'm, I'm hopeful he does that in the next Infinity War. Otherwise, I'm going to be a mess for a couple of years. <laughs> I love that. And, and, you know, even if you look at the the journey of the actor himself, Robert Downey Jr. There's a lot of parallels that you can draw between that. That's, it's very interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And, and it's hard when you watch him speak out of character and you watch him in character, it's like, they're the same dude. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I think Tony Stark, what I like about him is it gets kids excited about being smart. Mm. I also yeah. loved, uh, did you ever see big hero six? Yeah. It was animated. Loved it because it's all about, the nerds saving the world, which is true. You know, it's absolutely true. And, um, and so that's what I loved most about it. Yeah. That honestly, that's probably one of my favorite movies, big hero six. I loved it. (laughs) Kurt, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. You know, this podcast is called humans 2.0 and, you know, I just want to take a second here and acknowledge you because I think you are a, very powerful communicator and a communicator that's needed, especially in time to kind of, you know, bridge the polarizing sides of the world, so to speak. And, you know, I love what you're doing. What your daughter's doing is awesome. And all you're doing to help people is awesome. And you are by definition, a human 2.0, my friend. Well, thanks Mark. And, and appreciate everything you're doing with this podcast is, 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 uh, towards saving the world. So love it. Exactly, man. Where can uh, our audience here go to learn more about you, maybe get in touch? Sure. So my website is kurtmercadante.com or just search me on LinkedIn. Actually, if you type in Kurt, it's Kurt with a C-U-R-T and then type in Dumbledore afterwards (laughs) and search me. You will probably find me because that has become my nickname because of my beard. And uh, I actually had a video called I am Dumbledore once. So that's probably an easy way to find me because my last name is hard to spell. So that's awesome. Kurt, final thing. I asked my guests to leave the audience with a self-inquisitive question because I think that's one of the most powerful ways to, you know, loosen up some assumptions that you have in your mind that reinforce uh, a lot of the limiting beliefs that, that hold us back. I would love it if you could ask my audience a question. Sure. So we we hear a lot of talk about empathy and empathy for others and how you deal with bullies is to show them empathy. How you deal with trolls is to show them empathy. My question for the audience is, are you doing that to the detriment of showing enough empathy for yourself? Because often I think we um, we put ourselves last in in sort of this I have to show empathy to everyone around me. And in the end, we let people push us around. We let people bully us. We let people punch us in the face and we just walk away and let the bullies get stronger. Extremely powerful. Treat yourself like somebody that you're responsible for caring for. That's the way that I look at it. Absolutely. Kurt, Kurt Mercadante, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you everyone for listening to the Humans 2.0 podcast. This has been your host, Mark Metry. Thank you for listening to the Humans 2.0 podcast. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and you chose to listen to this. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about Humans 2.0. 
so they can improve as well. If you loved listening to that, I would love your feedback whether you're watching this on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and anything else. Keep learning on the Humans 2.0 podcast.